In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Question uh, kind of occurred to me in reading the texts and uh, throughout the week. Uh, did Jesus come to fix us? Did Jesus come to fix us? We look at the conception of Mary by the righteous Anna. Anna was barren for most of her life. In fact, probably all but three or four years of her life. The history of that is that she died very shortly after giving birth. Um, probably four, five, six years later, Anna was departed this life. So she was old, so she spent most of her years barren. Uh, and... Uh, in that, she was ridiculed because the blessing of a woman by God was that of a child. If you didn't have a child in Israel, there was, there was, that blessing wasn't there. So she spent most of her life despairing, begging God for help. The woman with the issue of blood. This wasn't a short healing. How many years were you listening? This is a test. How many years was she bleeding? 18 years. 18 years. She was bleeding, which meant her she was unclean to the people of Israel, which means she couldn't be in the company of other people. This was a Difficult life, 18 years of this. We look at even the life of Christ coming to us. Uh, he's born in a fabulous hotel. Uh, all the amenities, they're totally taken care of. No, he's born in a manger in a, where, they, where they, a feeding trough in a cave. No place to put his head. And he lived an incredibly uh, decadent life. He's a carpenter's son. Simple man. And when he lived, when he ex gave himself to us in his incarnation to, to display it, it only took three years to kill him. It's not a very pleasingly looking world out there. The apostles even, we look at the apostles' lives, and they're, uh, first they're loving this, this Messiah coming, and they're with him, and they say they're going to go with him to Jerusalem, and we'll stand with you no matter what. And when he dies on the cross, they all flee, except one, the youngest one, John. And it took them, they cowered for days in Jerusalem, fearing death, their own death, uh, at the hand of the Jews or the Roman soldiers. But only by the blessing of God did they 
begin to preach powerfully the gospel of Christ. And they all lived long, prosperous lives. No. They all were martyred. Except one. John. And we look at the history of the early church when the church became uh, a, 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 a player in the world. It had to almost immediately go underground because of the persecutions. It stayed underground for almost 200 years. So did God come to fix us? One thing we do know is that it all ends well. It all ends well. It all ends well. There is victory. The victory's been won. It all ends well. But in this life, it may be difficult. In fact, the Lord even promised it. There will be tribulation. You will be persecuted. It will be difficult. There will be temptations. You didn't sign up for that, did you? Did you sign up for that? That's the gospel teaching. So what did he promise? What was the promise? A, a life that could get fixed? Uh, a, uh, a, one good thing happening after another? Was that the promise? No, the promise was this. That he was going to be with you no matter what. He's going to be with you no matter what. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, wherever you go, even if you turn your back on him, guess what? He's going to be with you no matter what. That's the promise. That's what he came to do, to be with you no matter what. That's the gospel. That's the comfort. That's the joy of Christ. If we are looking for joy in this life, it's going to come and it's going to go. I remember sitting down one time, forlorn, because of some difficulties in the parish, and another priest, a good friend priest, came to me and said, Father, what's wrong? And I said, Father, it's a very hard thing. There are some things going on, and it's very hard on me. He looks at me, and he said, don't worry, Father. It will pass. And then he walked away, and he turned around, and he said, but something else will come. <laughs> What's the gospel? He's going to be with me no matter what. That's the gospel text. That's what we know. That's what's true. That's what's real. All this other stuff just floats around. It just floats. It gets better. It gets worse. It stays even. It balances. It doesn't, it just kind of moves. So we have to be very, very careful of these things. So if I'm about fixing myself, fixing my family, fixing my friends, fixing my church, fixing my government,
ain't going to, you may be successful sometimes, and you may not be successful sometimes. That's not the gospel. He didn't come to fix it all. He came to be with you no matter what. Because when you look at the history of the church, even when governments began to completely try to annihilate Christianity, guess what God was? He was with them matter what. Powerful. That's the gospel. So, for us then, to be united to God, to stay with Christ, to stay intimate with God, uh, to draw near to God and dwell in union with God should be our goal. To draw near to God and dwell in union with God is our goal as Christian people. So personally, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with it in a, on a personal basis? Uh, this is, this is the, the counterintuitive aspect of our gospel. To be strong as a Christian, you must do what first? Admit you are weak. Ooh. To be strong, you have to admit you're weak. You know how you can be exalted by God? How do you be exalted by God? Be humble yourself. To be lifted up by God, to be carried by God, what must you do? Be humble. To be strong in Christ, what must you do? Admit weakness. Lord, I am weak. Lord, forgive me a sinner. Guess what happens? God becomes your strength and God lifts you up. That's how we live personally. Because then God can be with us in all circumstances. If we try to rise up and exalt ourselves, if we try to be strong in ourselves, God can't work there. He says, well, you're trying pretty hard, but how can I work in there? It's all about, it's all about you making the effort. God needs to make the effort. So personally, we must admit weakness so he can be our strength. We humble ourselves so he can exalt us, lift us up, and carry us. So that's personally what we do. What about when we are in situations with family and friends? I was given some incredibly important advice one time that kind of saved me in circumstances where uh, I was hoping for a, a situation that would, that would get better, that would be, well, I'll say it, that would be fixed. I wanted something to be fixed. It was broken. I needed to be fixed. And at one point it would get fixed, and then it would break. And then it would get fixed, and then it would break. And every time it got fixed, I felt great. And every time it would break, I felt depressed. Then it would get fixed again. Then I'd break again. So I went to this other priest that was in a similar circumstance to me. I said, how did you do it? How did you get through this? He said, I stopped hoping in the person. And I started hoping for them. I put my hope in Christ for them. And it changed everything. I could then become their, uh, 
cheerleader. I could become their encourager because my hope was no longer in them. It was in Christ for them. So for your friends, for your family, hope in Christ for them. That's how we live this life. That's how we get past it. If we're looking at our circumstances and hoping in those things, when they're up, you're going to be up. And when they're down, you're going to be down. Your hope is in Christ for those things. So for that. Um, I have one more comment here. This is a little political thing. <laughs> so we want to fix our government, eh? You know, the one thing we do consistently and the church has done forever and ever, it prays for the government. It just prays for it. No matter what you think about it, you pray for it. You, we pray for our president, civil authorities, and armed forces everywhere. We pray it every time we come to pray. And it, we don't determine whether we pray or not because we like the president or the civil authorities or not. We just do it. That's just what is done in the church. We pray for them. And so for us, and we have to pray sincerely, with compassion, with a, with a great desire that God will be merciful to them and put aside all those kind of thoughts and things that we have that don't allow us to pray in a, in a holy way to God. So those things have got to be put aside. But I want to encourage you in this, and this is the same idea here. For us Christian people, beloved, that's not our government. You have a king who sits on a throne who has conquered death, devil, and corruption. And he draws you to himself. And he's with you no matter what. We, we owe allegiance to another king a greater king, a greater government that's eternal, that's not temporal. We don't re-elect in heaven every four years. That doesn't happen. He's on the throne forever and ever. And we love it because he loves us and he cares for us. He takes care of us. He sends his saints to be with us. He sends his angels to be with us. And whenever we're in trouble, he, he comes by our side. He's a benevolent dictator. That's the best form of government you can have. So we have a government that we owe allegiance to. And so when we get a little bit disturbed or a little bit bothered by this government, think about the other one. That one stays forever. And that allows us to almost even pray a little bit better for this government. Because we have, a, we have an eternal government with a glorious king who rules on a throne, who says, I'll take care of you no matter what. Even if the government tipples and tosses and turns and this and that, I'll take care of you no matter what. There's our king. There's our kingdom. So may God be with us this day. Uh, it's a glorious day today. Uh, we will enter the uh, Liturgy of the Faithful by uh, beginning with a chrismation. Paul Wentz.
who's been with us for uh, about three or four years, Paul? Two? How can I get out of this one now? <laughs> but you visited before that. Yes. <laughs> Paul came to catechism a year ago, and um, I've really enjoyed my relationship with him. He's a very, very serious young man. And God bless you, Mom and Dad. You've done an incredible job with him. He's a very serious Christian person who wants to live his life in Christ and desires to do uh, that which is right and good in all things. Uh, and so we come today, really, it's our honor, Paul, to be a part of this with you. So uh, we'll uh, begin this beautiful service of chrismation uh, and then move into the liturgy. So Paul, please come forward. <laughs> 